stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Stand by. We'll be streaming live. Good morning from Rick Bonson Ministries. Hope you're having a beautiful morning. Um, we are, and we're all here together. And we've added Kaylee Bleakman to the staff for the next few weeks. So we're glad to have Kaylee here to help us as things start picking up again and we start making plans. Um, turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 11. Rick started that yesterday, and he started with a treatment of this chapter like I've never seen before. We are just looking at it in a whole new way, uh, continuing with the idea that everything that Jesus did was underridden by the prophetic, and everything he did, he moved in the prophetic. <coughs> so um, I'm going to, you know me, I'm going to read out of my mom's favorite little Haley's Bible handbook here, a little summary about this chapter, John 11, the famous story of the raising of Lazarus. You guys all know that, right? <coughs> says that um, it took place probably about a month before Jesus' own death. It was his third raising of the dead. First there was Jairus' daughter. Then there was the widow of Nain's son. And then Lazarus. Climaxed by his own, never more to die. The miracle brought the Sanhedrin to a final decision to kill Jesus. Jesus therefore retired to the wilderness of Ephraim about 12 miles north of Jerusalem to await in quiet with the twelve until the Passover. He went to an area called Perea. And so this is where Jesus is awaiting till it's time for him to come to Jerusalem for the Passover when he gets the news. So let's pick it up where we left off yesterday, verse 5. John chapter 11, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. So if they sent out, if he heard that Lazarus was sick, that meant some messengers came, right? So if the messengers left Bethany, and it took them about a day to get from Bethany to Perea, where Jesus was, that's one day. Then it says Jesus stayed there two days. He remained. Then it took him 
about a day to travel back to Bethany. So that makes up the total of four days. Now, going back to verse 4, let's identify how Jesus is moving in the prophetic. He's moving by the leading of the Holy Spirit. In verse 4 it says that when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Okay, scholars, which of the which of the gifts of the Holy Spirit talk about things future? What's going to happen? Word of wisdom. What, 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 what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Word of wisdom. Wisdom is always looking forward. So he said, this sickness is not unto death. The gift of the word of wisdom worked through Jesus here to proclaim what was going to happen. Um, going on to verse 6 then again, we said... Um, We read that, but let's read it again. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. This is a word of knowledge. Word of knowledge has to do with past and present. Word of wisdom is future. Word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit told Jesus, stay put. He tells us what to do in the present or what's going on in the present. Why would, he, why would he stretch this out four days? Four days since the man got sick, he decides to just stay put two days, and then he knows it's going to take him another day to get there. You ever wondered about our Lord, if he loved, I mean, it emphasizes that he loved these people, and yet he decides to stay. I mean, if you love someone, why not rush to their side, right? That's the normal human thing to do. You hear, oh, my friend is sick. How fast can I get there? But Jesus is not doing things according to his own impetus. He's not doing things. This is prophetic ministry. Jesus moved as the Holy Spirit directed, not as people wished, which obviously the family wanted him to come or else they wouldn't have sent messengers. And he moved not even as his own emotion dictated or his own common sense. Um. There's actually a spiritual reason why Jesus may have waited four days. The Jews believed that when a person died, the spirit remained for like three days. It hung around for three days before it departed. So if he came earlier than four days, they could have said, well, he wasn't really, the spirit hadn't really gone yet. And um, so to convince them that this was truly a miracle, it would have to be a, a period of four days. That's just historical Jewish tradition that Jesus was also working. He wanted them to know that this was a miracle, right? <clears throat> but, but it still is just interesting as you read this story and it emphasizes how much Jesus loved this family and yet by the leading of the Holy Spirit, he stays put instead of rushing. Um, Cindy, I think you have the Isaiah passages. These are well-known very important passages, um, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. So Jesus is doing something that is different, that is higher. His ways are different than a normal person who would just rush to the side, right? What about Isaiah 55:11? Uh, 
So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Right? So in verse 4, he said this sickness is not for unto death. His word had gone forth prophetically. So he already knew that it will not fail. So already as we see Jesus moving prophetically, doing everything he does prophetically, um, then we have to examine, we have to look at ourselves and how we respond to situations that would be similar. If, if, you're, if your ministry, if your life is just what everyone else wants and likes, <laughs> if your ministry, if your life is what you want and just what you like, you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> right? <clears throat> John, darn! I want to do what I want. One, another reason that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to wait is because what we read in the Haley's book, that this was his third raising from the dead. And each one incensed the Pharisees more, right? He is being led by the Holy Spirit to wait so that this miracle will actually provoke the Pharisees. He's looking to provoke the Pharisees. Why? It's time for him to fulfill prophecy. It's time for him to go to the cross. And this is going to bring that, those events about. He is going to fulfill our most cherished um, scripture of Isaiah 53. And I'm just going to take time to read it because it's just so powerful and awesome. <clears throat> Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. Now, why am I reading this? Jesus knows in, in just a month this, this, this passage is going to be fulfilled, this prophecy. And he is, he is acting in accordance to this prophetic word that this is what is going to happen to him. <clears throat> The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and as sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. You see how he is preparing to fulfill this? Everything's being set up. Okay, going back to verse 4 again. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. We know it will happen because Jesus had spoken it. And Cindy read that verse. Can you read it again? Isaiah 55:11. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you move on? Yeah. Isaiah 
So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. So, listen to this. Listen to what the Word of God says. If God has spoken a word and He's given you a promise, you know and you know that you know that God has spoken to you, but time has passed. It's not working out the way you thought, the way you envisioned. You find yourself beginning to doubt. You're, you're perplexed. But, but, but I thought I heard God say, I thought God told me, we must be reminded, we must cling to this word that God's word cannot fail. If everything, think about it, you don't want, you actually, you don't want that, um, everything to just go the way you want. Because if everything went according to our timing and our way and was perfectly pleasing to us and we understood it all, that doesn't require any faith at all. Our faith would never have a chance to grow, right, Kaylee? <coughs> we would never be required to have dependence upon God to say, I don't understand God, but you do, and I have to rest in that. So um, moving on now to verse 7, it says, Then after this he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Again, he's in the prophetic. He's calling forth. Let us go. He knows exactly what he's going for. He knows how this is going to turn out. And he says it's time. <clears throat> he knows this event will be the final straw. And I'll, we'll leap ahead in the story and just read that, starting with verse 47 in John 11. It says, therefore, this is after he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. <laughs> and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But a certain one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest of that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. Now he did not, this he did not say on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. God will even use someone like Caiaphas to accomplish the prophetic ministry of Jesus Christ. He will use an evil unbeliever <coughs> to speak forth what is going to happen in his will. He prophesied. It says it right there. I'm not making it up. And then verse 52. Uh, 51. John 11:51. And not only for the nation only, but that he might also gather unto, unto one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. So Jesus knows that this event as he says in verse 7, let us go to Judea. Let's go to Bethany. Let's go to the house of Lazarus. Let's do this miracle and raise him from the dead. He knows this will be the final straw, but he walks straight into the plan of God, even though he knows it means certain death. This is our Lord. <clears throat> he didn't consider himself. He knew he had come to lay down his life a ransom for many. He knew he had come to bring the kingdom and he was going to complete the job. Somebody's got John 10, I think it's Kaylee. 
or, or John does. John 10, 18. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Okay, so Jesus, knowing the scriptures, knowing the, knowing the prophetic, could have said, I know what's going to happen here. If I go back there, that'll be it. They will definitely kill me. But he says, no, I go willingly. I walk straight into the plan of God, knowing what it means, the cost that it means. What about Matthew 26, 55 and 56? <coughs> Kaylee's got that one. Read it. Nice, loud voice. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted and fled. So all of this has taken place. Why? What did it say? All of this has taken place to fulfill the, the scriptures. The, the scriptures prophets. and the prophets. So again, just I just overemphasizing this fact that Jesus is not doing any of this out of his own emotion or what other people want. Um, he's doing it all by the leading of the Holy Spirit and to fulfill the prophetic. <clears throat> verse 8. Um, <clears throat> chapter 11, verse 8. The disciples. Now see, we're going to see that he's not going to be pleasing his disciples. He's not pleasing Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but he's also not pleasing his disciples. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? <clears throat> Which is a reasonable response, right? Humanly. But Jesus isn't operating out of reason. He's completely being driven and led by the prophetic. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. In other words, what he's saying is, the world's light will not show you what to do. In fact, the, world, the light of the world, the reason of the world, as the disciples were falling into here, but Lord... We can all, it's clear to us what's going to happen. They are using the reasoning of the world, right? They're using common sense. But it will not show you what to do to fulfill God's plan. It will be actually, usually the opposite. When we walk, Jesus is saying to them, when we walk in the light of God, when we are Holy Spirit-led, He shows the way, even though it might seem like we're walking right into the pit of death. Right into the place where we would not want to go. I can hardly think of a time when this is more applicable to us than right now. Meaning that we're in a time of season where we just don't know what's going to happen, right? Everything is topsy-turvy. I've been saying it's like living in a bad science fiction movie. And so we got the news telling us stuff. You know, is it a global pandemic or is it a big blown-up conspiracy? You know, there's voices, there's opinions. We're being told what to do, what not to do by government, by experts, by family, by celebrities. <laughs> there's projections out there of what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. But nobody knows. Nobody knows. Only God knows what's What's going to happen? What's going to take place in the months ahead? And it's really been interesting 
for us at, at Rick Bonfin Ministries, and I'm sure this is more not unique, there's many other people that have the same dilemma, but we live on our calendars. <laughs> we live by our plans. We have a Brazil trip, and then we have a Cuba trip, and then we have a Peru trip, and we have a Rekindle the Flame, and we are constantly, in our meetings, in our planning, in our work, we're working on our deadlines. We're working on when it's time to buy tickets. We're working on planning the details of the next event coming up, right? And now we're going, well, the summer Brazil trips are all canceled. Uh, Rekindle the Flame is having to be postponed. Uh, Cuba, April, is already canceled. It looks like Peru isn't going to take place until 2021. We're rescheduling Rekindle. It's, it's really made us feel like we're not ourselves. Well, we're not actually canceling. We're postponing. Postponing, yes. But we don't know. Even in postponing, we can't say, we will postpone until here. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But it's been a matter of months of just saying, we're postponing indefinitely. And never before has the scripture in James been more real to me that we know. But this, I've just been sort of chuckling at this going, wow, if God isn't trying to get this across to us these days, I don't know when. It's that scripture, James 4, 13 through 15. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills and we live, <laughs> we will also do this or that. Amen? Meaning, only God is in control. And actually, that was the same before all this stuff happened. We just had a false sense of we're in control and we know what's happening. Amen? Only God knows. So Jesus here is showing us what it's like in the midst of a situation where there's many voices, many opinions. He knows going forward would humanly be the worst thing that could possibly happen to him. But he is showing us what it looks like to respond only to his Father, not to others, not even to his own common sense, because it's perfectly clear to him that's what's straight in front of him is the cross. Psalm 119, 105. Haley's got that. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So I ask you today, brothers and sisters, I ask you, what lights your path in these confusing and troubled times? Where's your confidence? Are you waiting for the CDC to tell you? Are you waiting for a vaccine? You know, what, what, what's your light that you're waiting to see the light to say, oh, go this way? How are you making decisions? What to do, what not to do? Where to go, where not to go? I, I have a situation that's very, very, very personal to my own heart. I have a darling granddaughter, Amelia, that was born on April 24th. My heart says, go, <laughs> go, get in a car and just start driving to Oregon. Do whatever it takes, right? That's what my heart says. But I'm 
having to wait on God. And I have to know that his timing is always right. He's often very slow, but he's never late. Remember that. God can be very slow, but he's never late. When we wait on his timing, we can never make a mistake. If he says go, go. Don't agree with the world's light telling you, oh, no, 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 you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. Don't agree with the wishes of others and the fears of others. Don't even agree with your own common sense. Make up your mind that your word, Lord, is my light. You will show me my path. God says in Isaiah 53.1, Who has believed our report? And that's the testimony, Matt, and I have that testimony. That's why we went to Israel. When people were saying, oh, no, don't go, don't go. Something bad is, is beginning to happen across the world. The Lord spoke through Rick that word, who has believed our report. And we listened to the Lord's report, and he was saying go. And we were abundantly blessed. We were abundantly favored. We had the best trip ever. But it's also the reason why we have decided to postpone some of our trips to Brazil and to Cuba because God said on those, wait. So unless we're seeking to live prophetically like Jesus, unless you're seeking to live prophetically like Jesus, you'll go when you should stay and you'll stay when you should go. You don't know the future. We all want the five and ten year plan. You don't get it. And so God's giving us a wonderful opportunity in these days to live this and to learn it before we have a false security that we could go ahead and make plans and just do it because that seemed like the right thing to do. But we are being given an opportunity by God to grow our faith. Um, Who's got Deuteronomy 8.3? That's the final scripture. Well, maybe one more. And he humbled you and suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna which you knew not. Neither did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. Amen. So how do we live? What's our light? The word of God. What he speaks to us. So God is giving us in these days. We, we need to thank him. You know, as frustrated as we've been, and is tired of it, and we're just like, I can't wait till this thing's over. We need to thank him for the blessing of these days that he's giving it. And, and don't squander it, okay? Here is a rare opportunity. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Don't squander it. This is a time that requires faith. It requires humility, meaning you're constantly saying, I don't know. I don't know. I know nothing. It requires vulnerability and dependence towards your Heavenly Father, which it requires intimacy with Him, relationship with Him, which is what God is after. He's he's given us a precious gift here where we need Him more than ever. Um, He's given us a time to develop discernment and hearing, saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice and I want to live out of every word that comes out of your mouth, not all the words that come out of everyone else's mouth. So embrace this time with thanksgiving and say, thank you, God, that you cause all things to work together for good. 
He was using this situation Jesus was in for the ultimate good that Jesus would go to the cross and, and pay for our sins and raise, be raised from the dead and ultimately bring forth the kingdom. He's using our difficult situations for good. Um, see, Daniel 7.25 says that the spirit of Antichrist, which is in the world today, will wear down the saints of the Most High. And this whole thing, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's been trying to just wear me down. That's what the spirit of Antichrist wants to do, is wear us down. But God wants to use this to build us up, to cause us to learn to live even more by faith and increase our confidence and our trust and our abiding in him. So that's my prayer for you this morning. Simple message, um, but I hope you heard something. God wants to, to build you up, and so I'm just going to read this as a, just as a proclamation over us, as a prayer. It's, it's in the book of Jude. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, In the last time there shall be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, I pray for you this morning, you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. See you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterain.com for more teaching. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit 